0: Yo, is this thing on? Man, whatever. Walk with me. Welcome back to Walk with TFB. Tim Bryson here, and as y'all know, I'm a black millennial who is eager to have unfiltered conversation with authentic people centered on education, sport, and culture. Today we are walking with the Vice President and Director of Athletics. A native of Birmingham, Alabama. He earned his bachelor's degree from Jacksonville State, shout out to the Gamecocks, and his master's degree from Southern New Hampshire University. He got his start in college sport as the Gamecocks student manager in 2007, before being hired to a full-time role by his alma mater as a coordinator of operations in 2011. Over the last decade, he has spent quality time working in and overseeing several functional areas in college sport, including but not limited to equipment operations, facilities, sport medicine, and information technology. His contagious energy, dedication to his craft, and commitment to cultivating universal excellence has trailblazed a life path, a life path that is illuminated by a shared vision and guided by purpose. And as a result, in November 2019, he was named the Vice President and Director of Athletics at Florida A&M University at the millennial age of 30. I keep telling y'all that alphas are banned from this podcast, uh, but this brother is a good man, a servant of God. And undoubtedly more than a millennial. So, without further ado, y'all help me welcome Courtney Gaucher. AD Gaucher, man, welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: I appreciate it, Tim. Thanks uh, for having me. And uh, I'm really excited about this
0: one. I'm excited to have you, bro. And again, I ask everyone uh, when they come on the show, uh, really one of the first questions before, what's your story? Is like, how are you taking care of yourself? Uh, obviously, it's COVID, but like, how are you taking care of yourself right now?
1: Well, you know, I think right now you've got to be intentional. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily travel as much as I probably would have. Um, but again, being intentional, understanding that, uh, you're in a role of leadership now. Uh, and so, you know, people's livelihood depend on your being able to perform and success. Uh, and so, um, you know, again, just in this, in this time, you know, just being more reserved, you know, I, I go home and I go to work, you know, and, and, Unfortunately, that's not very, uh, you know, it's not a very animated environment right now, but, uh, but again, just understanding the challenges that we face, you know, making decisions around the health and safety of student athletes and our staff. And so, um, you know, again, to whom much is, given much is also required. And so, um, you know, right now it's, it's pretty focused, um, you know, with the ever-changing climate uh, that COVID has created for intercollegiate athletics, but um, again, just taking one day at a time, you know, um go for a walk you know it's you know whether it's at home or you know in midday at at lunchtime but you've got to find a way to take care of yourself in order to lead.
0: it's a really good point it's a really really good point I'm glad you shared that because it's something that one I know I need to hear and something I'm sure at least one person listening to this show today also needed to hear as well um but Courtney I'm I'm super excited to speak with you today Um, I know we met back in uh summer 18 when I was an NCA intern and you was at a L.I. Shout out to Eli, Shout out to Didi and the crew. I
1: know. Tell me about it.
0: Yeah, man, that's a good. That was a good time down in Phoenix. Um, but I'm excited to talk to you. Not just based off of what you've accomplished, uh, not just based on you know who you are, honestly at your core, but the, but also because of the fact that you also keep a high and tight fade like myself, bro. <laughs> Even in
1: we 2020, to, you know. Hey, you know, we had to we had to get through the quarantine and, and all that <laughs> other stuff, but. But uh, now that we're back to some sort of normalcy, you know, uh, AD Gauthier got to keep it tight, man. You got to keep it high and
0: tight, bro. High and tight. You got to part next time. (laughs) But nevertheless, bro, I want to transition us to segment one. Uh, What is is your story? So as you know, and as I tell every single guest, right, we want to know more than just your LinkedIn, uh, more than your resume or CV. And really start to think about, you know, family values, uh, pivotal decisions, you know, learning concepts. Uh, So AD Gauthier, what is your
1: story? So uh, I appreciate that question. And, and I believe, you know, my story and just kind of my, you know, my, my roots uh, really have made me who I am today. And, and so uh, originally from Birmingham, Alabama, um, you know, sport football in particular is keen in life. So I grew up, you know, Alabama fan played sports, um, you know, my parents uh, both, you know, very hardworking individuals, uh, but neither one of my parents went to college. And so, Uh, My dad, in particular, uh, who's a workaholic, he was actually in the uh, the coal mining industry, and so um, you know, just seeing my dad, you know, kind of get up middle of the night, grind it out, you know, and then show up the next day and you know, coach a baseball game (laughs) for me, you know, it was really just like, hey, you know, like uh, you know, those type of attributes kind of made me, you know, who I am today. Understanding that um, my parents didn't have an opportunity to get an education uh, from day one, it was a priority for me. Um, didn't, didn't necessarily think I was going to work in intercollegiate athletics. Um, you know, uh, did well through, you know, through, through high school, got to college, thought I was going to go and, and be an attorney. Uh, mm. that was my plan anyway. Um, and really used athletics as a mechanism to pay for it. Uh, so my high school football coach, you know, my senior year, he's like, Hey, uh, I think I've got this opportunity for you. Um, you want to be an equipment manager i'm like I, I really don't know what an equipment manager does but but sure uh so i took the opportunity uh ended up at jacksonville state university um you know and and they kind of threw me some keys i'm a freshman they threw me some keys and was like hey you're the equipment guy and i'm like okay <laughs> so I really had to kind of learn what that was and so i gravitated to you know people in the industry I was like well let me go find out what an equipment manager does so i called down to Alabama and and met a gentleman by the name of Tank Connolly, who is a legend in the space. And went and interned uh with him for a little bit and he showed me around and and um you know, just kind of showed me the ropes essentially. And so um I took it serious. You know, one of the things, you know, you talk about core values, my dad always made sure hit whatever you do, you be the best at whatever it is, you know. So um I took that serious and and obviously we did a good job. And um when you do a good job at a small school you get blessed with more responsibility Mm -hmm. so as an undergrad man i was booking hotels and coordinating like buses and you know ordering apparel and 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 negotiating deals and i really fell in love with it wait a minute like people do this for a living and you know and 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 obviously in, in undergrad you know you you know you're burning the midnight oil, and you know you're partying on the road, and all those things that come along with it. So, uh, so my undergrad experience was really really fun, um, yeah. but I learned really quickly, you know, kind of when to turn the fun off and I've you know go to work. Um, but I, you know, and I tell people this all the time when you when you love your job, it doesn't seem like work, and mm-hmm. so. That um, was a really unique undergraduate experience for me, <laughs> um, you know, and, and everybody always thought, you know, like I was a coach or something. And I was like, no, nope, I'm in class just like you. Uh, but, but, you know, having the ability to turn it on and off. But those experiences, um, you know, I think just kind of growing up and then being thrown right into responsibility when, when most kids our age, um, you know, wouldn't know where to start, and, and I didn't either, you know, so again, it wasn't, I'm Courtney negotiator is not the smartest guy in the room, I'll be the first to tell you that, um, but again, just being able to, you know, find a craft, put your energy and your effort into something, and actually see a result, um, I became fascinated with that, and so at that point, I knew I wanted to work in, in a collegiate athletics.
0: Wow, and so I did my research, of course, right, just being the, I guess, the podcast host that I am, honestly, just a curious person I am, and you worked in sport when you came out as a coordinator. Then you left for a minute. I did.
1: And then came back. Talk to us about that decision. So this is like typical millennial decision. So um, I was working at Jacksonville State, um, had a lot of experience, had a lot of fun, uh, built some, you know, some, some things there. Um, but I had an opportunity to, to really triple my salary. I had an opportunity to kind of get into the private sector um, as a young guy and make a lot of money. And so like most kids my age, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to stage left and uh, I'm going to go do this. And, and so even though it was admirable work, um, the work that I was doing for the organization, I personally was very unhappy. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I just remember, you know, getting off at five o'clock, going home, I had a like beautiful condo. I mean, you know, life was good, but it was just like, okay, I feel empty. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not happy with where I am in life. Um, And so for me, you know, it was great, um, but the inner me really wanted the opportunity to get back to individual athletics. And organically, because of the work I did at my previous stop, it happened. And so uh, my family thought I was nuts because I said, hey, I'm, I'm 22 years old, I'm about to like quit my six-figure job and go make $35,000 a year in a state where I had never met anybody, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, are you nuts? Or, you know, what, what's going on? But uh, typical, uh, you know, and I call it a millennial move. But, you know, again, I think one thing that millennials do is they're bold and courageous. And and I knew um, that this, what I needed for my life. And quite frankly, uh, that was a catalyst. So that really, um, if I hadn't taken that opportunity, we wouldn't probably be having this conversation today. Sure, sure.
0: And so obviously I know you went back to, Mr. well, not went back, went to Middle Tennessee State, shot yeah. the Middle Tennessee, MTSU, um, and we're there for a grip before moving down to Florida. Yeah. So just talk to us more about your experience at Middle Tennessee, because to your point, right, especially at smaller schools in college sport, I guess really in higher ed in general, they do start giving you more responsibilities, right, as you continue to yeah. do well and do excellent work. And yeah. that's, that's exactly what you did at Middle, Middle Tennessee.
1: No doubt. So uh, you summed it up. So obviously, you know, I had a position at middle Tennessee was the head equipment manager for the football program really is what it was. Um, So I quit my job, packed my townhouse, moved to, to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, didn't know a soul. Um, (laughs) And um, you know, and really just really started to do the things that, that I learned at Jacksonville state, you know, run a run a good operation you know be transparent be honest with people try to help people improve you know their shop or their division and you know mtsu you know i think one of the things really quickly for me is people recognize it It was like oh wait a minute this dude is cut a little different and you know and he'll come up here and explain why he did xyz and show why we should be following you know kind of what what he's suggesting etc cetera. Um, so about six months in, six to eight months in, I got promoted, uh, from head equipment manager to assistant AD. Um, they knew I had some capital project experience. And so, um, you know, didn't ask for it. It was just kind of organically happened where I was now in charge of capital projects and some of the branding of the facility. And, um, you know, they, they essentially, to some degree started kind of giving me keys to the place where, uh, you know, my input was, was. Was utilized in, in a variety of capacities uh, from the athletic director, head coach, et cetera. Um, you know, we did some crazy things with Nike at the time that was really untraditional for a mid major or middle Tennessee in particular. And uh, those things, I believe, and you know, depending on who you talk to, um, it created a little bit of a cultural shift there, um, you know, internally to the, to the program. Um, year and a half later, um, I had an, another job opportunity that presented itself, um, at a big 10 school, uh, unnamed. Um, I thought I was going, uh, I had, again, I was getting ready to pack. I was like, this is big time college athletics, young guy. I was 24 at the time. And, um, I'm like, yep, I'm going to go make a little bit more money. I'm going to go work for this, you know, big 10 school. And, you know, I'll be their head equipment manager and I'm packing up my townhouse. And the president of our university and my athletic director called me the night before I was supposed to leave town. And they, you know, I didn't know, I just thought they were you know, telling me my goodbyes and all these other type of things. And um, <laughs> they called me to offer me a job um, as our associate athletic director and, and really our number two within the department. And I was like, okay, didn't expect that, number one. Uh, number two, they kind of matched the offer um and then the decision for me um was really okay hey do i want to be an equipment manager um you know great job you know at a big 10 perennial school uh, with a great reputation big time college athletics or do you want to be the guy that hires the equipment guy one day Mm. and so um thought about it long and hard called uh, several of my mentors Um, another millennial leader, uh, good friend of mine, Graham Neff, who's the deputy AD at Clemson, um, who's just sharp beyond years, um, you know, amongst others. Um, and it was like, all right, Courtney, you know, like, this is a big boy decision, but this is the way I think you should go. Um, and so I thought about it and, um, ultimately I decided to stay at middle Tennessee and, uh, for many reasons, one of them, um, I was the first African-American senior leadership member in athletics. We had never had a person of color, um, you know, as an associate AD uh, or higher at middle Tennessee. Um, So ultimately one of, you know, one of the primary reasons was that decision was to open up doors, not only for myself, but for others to come behind me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in that time, you know, being a 24 year old, when the, you know, when I took the position, it, it, Again, it was just, it was transformational in itself uh, because of kind of what we brought to the table. Um, You know, the the administration was very traditional um, and set in their ways. We brought a new type of thinking, a new type of um, operational um, effort to the table. Um, You know, things were, you know, we were at a really slow pace my job was really to infuse some speed into the pace. Mm. Um, Innovation, you know, when you talk about the look, the feel, the brand, you know, how we move as a team, you know, how we engage recruits when they came to campus. Like I was an associate AD, but I was an equipment manager before. So I was used to coming to recruiting weekends and talking about the uniforms and showing the cool stuff and all that. So as an administrator, as associate AD now, oh man, that was great. You know, I, I was still at recruiting weekends, you know, and to be able to engage with parents and talk about administratively some of the things that are to come and X, Y, Z. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think as you ascend, you know, professionally, you, you can't um, forget your roots, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that ability to, you know, uh, you know, to again, kind of have that common touch, regardless of what your, your job description says, that's what, Trans, that, that's what makes transformational leadership. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that, that I've believed in um, from my time as an equipment guy, washing jocks and socks um, to, to now, um, you know, the guy that kind of has the corner office is what they say now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the chair. So at, at what point did you know you wanted to, well, did you ever know you wanted to become an AD? Let me rephrase that question.
1: So I'll put it this way. Um, organically, the answer was yes. I knew I wanted to work in intercollegiate athletics. I didn't know at what level. Okay. And quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, part of it was the thought of, well, man, you know, like most ADs are older. It's going to be 30 years before I can become mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. um, I had not seen many senior leadership administrators like myself until I became one and then started interacting with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I think organically as I became more experienced in intercollegiate athletics at that level, then obviously I think my eyes broadened a little bit and maybe about a year or two into my job or my role there, I started to say, yes, I can do this, you know, quite frankly, from a, from a day to day, from an operational perspective, I'm doing it, you know, um, but there are some things that I need, you know, I I still have to make sure that, you know, I educate myself, that, that I have the finishing tools, um, to be, you know, considered for an athletic director job. And so, um, Ultimately, yes. Um, you know, we just didn't know the timing would happen as soon as it did. Sure, sure. Um, and and again, that that's you know that's kind of a you know a God thing, is what I tell people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I warn people when you start talking about, okay, I want to be an AD. Hey, if if you're always looking at the next person's plate, that means your food's getting cold, mm-hmm. right? And so you, you got to make sure that you're doing everything that you can do in your current job as best as you can the opportunities will come, and quite frankly, the interview is how you interact with people on a day-to-day basis, you know.
0: It's that wisdom from a millennial, a millennial leader, millennial vice president, man. Like I said, I'm super hyped to have you on the show, Courtney, Um, and so with that, I want to transition to the segment, too. As you know, this is our segment on trending topics, and the title of this season is More Than a Millennial." so I want to first just start by asking you, Courtney, you know, what does it mean to be a millennial?
1: So for me, um, you know, and I coined this phrase and I tell it to people all the time. Leadership has no age. All right. And so um, right now, I I think in our country, we need leadership. We need bold leadership. Um, I think you're even seeing it in intercollegiate athletics. Um, You know, everybody, it's real easy to make a Black Lives Matter video and tweet it out. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? You know. And, and, and I think, you know, the millennial, um, you know, piece of me and quite frankly, peers that I have that are millennials, we're about that action, <laughs> you know, you know just, to, just to keep it straightforward. You know, we, we wanna, you know, we'll make a statement, we'll put our words, but, but what, what are the steps that are being taken uh, to accomplish what you say you stand for? Or, or, you know, what are the traits that you're using that you possess to take an organization or an individual places they haven't been. Um, and that's what, to me, being a millennial is. It's, a, it's about taking the traditional method that's always been known that this is the way, defying that, obviously within respect and taking things to the next level, elevation.
0: And so Courtney, I mean, again, we talked about it, uh, not just over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, uh, but also in the bio that I read to start this episode and that you became an AD, honest, a vice president, I don't care what industry you're in, at the age of 30. And I know just doing, I told you before we hopped on the, on the mic, right? Like I did, I read a lot of articles, watched a lot of your interviews. Um, and when you got named AD last year, there was a lot of alum, a lot of, you know, a lot of stakeholders in Tallahassee that said, yo, like, he don't got the experience. Like, <laughs> oh, yo, he's too, he's too young, his age, what about his age? Yeah. So, Talk to us more about becoming this AD at the age of 30. Like, that's not, that's not yeah. normal.
1: No, it, it's not a uh, very untraditional path, um, and and you know, I and, and I'll just get straight to it. I had one critic. Uh, you know, obviously my background is in facilities. Uh, my role at my University of Miami, I was associate AD for facilities and events, and and one critic said, you know, we we hired a glorified janitor, oh, wow. and 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 my 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 response to that person, who's one of my biggest advocates now, is yeah, you needed a janitor to come clean up this mess. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and truth be told, um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about what what your nameplate says. And I tell people that all the time. My, my job is as, as an athletic director. It's no different than really my role at Middle Tennessee or University of Miami. Uh, we are charged with the task of transforming lives, student athletes lives, um, you know, impressing him upon them core values uh, ensuring that they, they walk across the stage with a degree and hopefully a championship ring, uh, mm-hmm. as well. Um, but again, it's back to the core values and what's our overall mission. Um, and, and again, I don't think that's ever been defined by one's age. Um, now again, is it unorthodox? Absolutely. And so I had to be strategic in that, knowing that that was going to be a criticism regardless, you know, this young guy, you know, I got shoes older than him. Well, I built an administration that quite frankly, all of my associate ADs, except one are older than me. Right. And so, uh, you know, we joke about it um, you know, because again, that, that peer to peer conversation sometimes is a little different. Um, And again, I I got middle Tennessee. I'll never forget. I was 25 years old and, you know, and I'm in these cabinets meeting representing athletics. And I got people looking across the table at me, like, why are you here? Um, for multiple reasons, whether it be the, the shade of my skin, or quite frankly, the fact that they knew how old I was. So I had a little bit of experience in that, you know, mm-hmm. and so I was certainly comfortable, um, you know, comfortable with that, with those elements. And then quite frankly, you know, we live in a world where connectivity is important, right? Yeah. Yep. And so I'm an athletic director, and I, I tell everybody, look, I can I can clean up, dress with the best of them. But on Fridays, I'm going to go throw on my J's with my jeans and, and, and be able to relax a little bit. And it's not to say that I don't take my job serious or that's unprofessional. No, our student athletes are human, mm-hmm. right? And so the interaction that they have with the athletic director, I don't need to be inhuman. I mean, no, nobody wants to, to wear a suit and tie every day, all day. And, and, but again, to break down those barriers, mental health is a huge thing right now, Right. You know, when we got here to FMU, if, if, if our student athletes see somebody that looks like them, that talks like them, listen to the same music they listen to in some categories, and can relate to them, then those conversations become organically easier. Mm-hmm. And again, I revert things back to my time as an equipment manager. You know, as an equipment manager, part of a team, you hear a lot of the stuff the coach never hears. Right. You know, they, they come to you when they need to vet and talk about what's going on at home or in life or whatever. And so as an administrator, if you can take those same guiding principles and, and, you know, understanding that, yes, you're going to have Ascension professionally. And I may be a vice president, but it's still the same Courtney Gaucher who understands the fundamental connectivity with, with people, you know, you know, because again, that's the interview, you know, um, you know, we joke about it all the time, you know, Kevin Byard, uh, who's a safety uh, for the, the Tennessee Titans highest paid safety in the league, right? Uh, he was one of my student athletes at Middle Tennessee. Uh, KB and I talk all the time. Um, but again, I think, you know, I, I actually, you know, I list KB as one of my references when when I was in an AD job, because I wanted, you know, someone to really talk about Courtney Gaucher, not Courtney Gaucher, the person who's trying to get the A.D. job. Hey, I've interacted with this guy when it didn't matter, you mm-hmm. know, and obviously, you know, KB being in the league and can t- speak to that was important for me. Um, but again, connection, the human element is very important um, as an athletic director um, and as a person who runs any organization, uh, because the human piece is the most important piece.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. And I honestly, I honestly just listening here, listening to you talk um, really brings me back, not just the Phoenix uh, in L.I., but the fact that like, 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 like you're me, bro. Like we the same. We we right here. Like, we millennials and you a whole A.D. It's like it's super inspiring, like super meta. So I apologize if I'm just like staring or, you know, get speech.
1: No, it's
0: dope. It's super dope. But one thing you said uh, about connectivity, which I think is uh, super important. Is directly related to um, you even stepping into this role, right? I mean, so we know through any interview process, they're interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ultimately, what connected you? You know, what attracted you uh, to this position at Florida A&M? So um,
1: it, it's really, you know, God's timing. You know, I'm I'm really big on my faith too. Um, but you know, it's one of those things like you know, if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, i had left Middle Tennessee in 18, uh, go to the university in Miami. Um, you know, I learned a lot at MTSU professionally, but I also learned a lot of what not to do. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people don't know this, you know, you know, I got married at Middle Tennessee. Um, you know, life was great, but I was a workaholic at MTSU. And one of the sacrifices that I personally gave up was was my marriage. Um, and so understanding that okay where did I make a mistake or where did I do something that I probably should have done differently um so it was a learning realm for me and so obviously transitioning to the University of Miami a uh, major metropolitan city you're not in the suburbs anymore and you're not going to the country club it is it is a different atmosphere um and and uh, you know I really kind of spent time like self-reflecting you know like hey do something for yourself like Create yourself time. You know, go to the beach. You know, actually enjoy where you are and embrace the experience. Um, but, but the University of Miami in particular really showed me or, or, or renewed my principles and core values about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a melting pot. Like there's different languages, there's so many different cultures. Um, you know, and, and so being able to be open to that, even in your professional space, right? And so, like, as the associate AD at University of Miami, half of my staff, you know, spoke a different language. Wow. So how do I get the job done? And I can't speak this language. So I had to teach myself, wow. you know, wow. but then you, you get to know people at a different level. And so um, Miami really opened my eyes to that. I, I think prior to that, if you had to ask me about serving at an HBCU, I, you know, I'd probably be like, eh, you know. I've heard horror stories or quite frankly, you know, I didn't go to an HBCU, so I don't feel like I can lead at an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, you know, don't let the fear distract you, all right? Um, one of the best decisions that I've made for my life professionally and personally is coming to Florida A&M. And so uh, when the opportunity came to me, uh, it did. I was in South Florida as a single guy, minding my own business, uh, <laughs> having a great time, and uh, uh, you know, I, I get a phone call uh, from our president, and you know, he just kind of he said, "Hey, your your name, um, you know, keeps coming up to us, and you know, we'd love to have an opportunity to talk." And so, you know, I was like, "Yeah, sure." You know, university president call me. I'm not. They're not going to you know hire me or whatever. And, and so we talked. So a little time went by, he called me in. He's like, you know, we've talked to a dozen people, you know, interviewed a few, none of them are good fits, but your name keeps coming up. And, you know, hindsight 50-50, a lot of the interactions that I've had in my career and in personal relationships, et cetera, those are the things that get you the job. So we talked about, you know, hey, what do you, how do you treat people every day? Who do you interact with? Because you never know Who's got their eyes on you? Um, who's who's looking at your LinkedIn and who's looking at your Twitter? All of those things are so important. Um, and and trust me, I've had my own like life lessons with social media. You know, you probably shouldn't put that out there. You know, or um, you know X Y Z, and those things happen. But it's really important that as you talk about trying to be a millennial leader, that that you keep those things uh, in cognizance. You know, um, not to say that you can't have fun and enjoy your life. But you've got to do it in a manner that that's always respectable, right? And uh, so ultimately, um, you know, kind of all parties met, and, and, you know, I decided to really do something that I'd never done, and that was lead in a different way uh, to kind of be out front. Um, and then, oh, by the way, I, it would be a shame if I had learned all of these experiences at Jacksonville State and Middle Tennessee and University of Miami. And not give back to the community in which I originated from. And so that's what this decision was about. And um, I knew very quickly that we were going to do some things that were transformational Mm -hmm. at this institution. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, you got to be bold, you got to be audacious. You know, like I'm not waiting on somebody to come in here and tell me it's okay for us to improve something or, or to change something um you know i'm the youngest member on our senior leadership team at the university level mm-hmm. so everybody's kind of looking at me like you want to do what you know I'll, I'll never forget like this is like my first month on the job and you know like greek organizations are huge mm-hmm. um at hbcu and so i'm gonna i'm an alpha man and uh so we have this thing called set friday yeah. and so man it it it's it's crazy and so, you know, I was just like, "Hey, I need to get to know SGA. I need to get to know the students because it's a new day on the hill at FAMU, and, and athletics is going to be a part of that new day." And so, you know, I, I threw on some Yeezys and, and 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 I went and kicked it on the yard with with everybody at Set Friday, and they were just like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Doc. Our president was like, "You're doing what?" <laughs> like, got Doc, Doc. It's good, it's good. You know, I won't embarrass anybody, but you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to fellowship with the students. And I can't tell you how many barriers that brought down just already, you know, where students are now reengaged. They want to come to athletic events. They're following what we're doing. And all it took was 30 minutes of my time as VP and, you know, go hang out. And, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, again, millennial leaders aren't afraid to do, that's but right. they actually prioritize those things as being important versus
0: those who have i love that story you said it was the first month in, in your job yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's that's yeah, that's actually that's pretty dope and as you mentioned before right it's no secret that um uh, at least your age is no secret and you getting hired and there was no secret in the critiques that people had because of your you know quote-unquote lack of experience and experience uh, but we accepted this job you know family was not the most desirable ad position in the country And over the last year, you transformed it. And these aren't my words. These are several articles that I pulled um, through its infrastructure, through its culture, brand awareness, as well as operational flow. You just talked to us about your first, you know, 365 at this point, being an athletic director at FAMU.
1: Oh man, Uh, peaks and valleys. That's, (laughs) you know, I'll say that. But, you know, again, I took this job um, not because it was, you know, going to pay me a ton of money or quite frankly, it wasn't a Cadillac, you know, it was actually in, in pretty bad shape. Um, my, there had been, I want to say nine 80s and 10 years. Uh, so the, the track record on that uh, isn't great, you know, right? sure, sure, so, sure. so a lot of a lot of my, you know, peers and even mentors were like, like, wait a minute, like, you're going to do this to your career. Uh, you're going to take that chance. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, folks. All right. So first off, Number one, I believe in, in my experiences, in my ability to create alignment. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you know, who said that going to an HBCU is a career ender? You know, yeah, a lot of people haven't done it and kind of hadn't done the, you know, the upward trajectory accurate, but who's to say that it can't be done? And I also said, you know what, I'm 30 years old. If I go and it doesn't work. You know, surely I I think I've leveraged enough contacts and to to get another job, you know, if they decide to go a different way. But, you know, uh, I believe that my time is now and this is the place. And so we came and um, there were many, many great challenges. Um, I'll never forget, like my first week on the job, you know, our football stadium, which if you've ever been to fan, you know, we pack out a football stadium. But they handed me a folder. They were like, yeah. You're going to have to do some major renovations, otherwise it's going to be condemned. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, after this football season, and I'm like, okay, sorry, so I made my list. Um, you know, we had a lot of financial challenges. I walked into a $2.4 million deficit uh, in year one. Uh, we were able to balance the budget and fix that. Um, you know, the first time that we've done that in, in almost, you know, seven, eight years. Wow. Um, you know, we had APR issues and, and, and all kinds of things that were really just, you know, they, these were, you know, urgent, urgent matters that needed, like, strategic leadership. Um, and so I knew the first thing that I had to do was assemble a team that could support me. Mm-hmm. Um, as an athletic director, you're out front, you know, you're in meetings, you, you know, there are responsibilities that, quite frankly, you know, you're not here to, to make the back of house decisions. So, um, you know, I, I stole my CFO from the University of Miami. Uh, Ms. Correa Lockley, um, you know, one of my previous co-workers at Middle Tennessee, uh, who was the, the current act, acting athletic director at Arkansas Pine Bluff, Keith McClooney, um, Michael Johnson, uh, uh, who is now our associate AD for sport administration. So Mike was actually my graduate assistant and intern at Middle Tennessee. And so, you know, you talk about, you know, creating opportunities for others, you know, and again, the level of innovation, tactfulness, and efficiency that he created for me at MTSU, I needed to have that at Fannie, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and so he was at McNeese State um, as an assistant AD, so he spent a year there, I stole him back, Um, (laughs) and then uh, most recently brought in Kevin Wilson um, from Washington State, stole him from Washington State, Um, as our associate AD for external uh, affairs. Uh, And then Michelle Harper, uh, she was the SWA at um, Southeastern Louisiana, and so stole her to oversee our academics. And I needed a team that I didn't have to micromanage. Uh, I needed a team that was hungry about taking this student-athlete experience to the next level. Um, Our students here are exceptional. And it's about time that our facilities and their experiences here mirrored that. And for so long, they had not. Like, you know, again, you know, so people talk about the FAMU experience. It is real. Uh, it really is. But again, athletics has, you know, our history hasn't been so friendly. And so we changed that narrative. We said, we're going to control our own destiny. So we're going to operate with core values that are going to represent um, FAMU just like any other major university in the country. You know um you know we've raised almost a million dollars never been done at family wow. it's not it's not because i've got you know special sauce but again we go back to the connectivity mm-hmm. how do you interact with people you know when we go to every city prior to the pandemic when we traveled or the ad traveled to a city we held an alumni function we wanted to get to know the alumni like it was like hey you know we'll have a mixer you know, we're going to talk about FAMU athletics. And at the end of it, I'm going to ask you guys for some money. Mm-hmm. I know you want your institution uh, to be second to none. And so we've really taken that to the next level. Um, before I got here, we had really no social media presence. Yet. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was brutal. Um, so like first two weeks on the job, we launched a new website. Boom. Um, you know, once we got that done, we started getting Twitter handles and Instagram and and. And you've seen this this really kind of organic almost uh birth of famu athletics again um and again the product the students the coaches are here um so now we need to show the rest of the world uh that you know again we are our premier hbcu and all of your dreams can come true here just like they can come true at any other predominantly white or majority institution and so um so it's been fun. It's been hard. I, I'm no lie. Like it, it's, mm. it's been very hard, but, um, but it's been fun to really see this thing happen and, and to see the lives that we're transforming.
0: That, that's excellent. And to hear your point about social media, I mean, shout out to all the millennials on social media, especially, but you do a great job um, just being visible. I think that's huge. Not just for, because you your, because of your age, not just because of your role, but honestly, to that co- connectivity point, you're more approachable, right? I never could have thought I could send you a message on Twitter like, hey, bro, like, a let to talk to you about, you know, your role, yada, 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 and you respond. Like, that's just, I said it's not normal earlier, but I think now it's, it's just, it's millennial culture. And I think it should become more normalized, especially we think about how we can engage each other, but also um, this new generation that's coming in higher ed, uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry.
1: Absolutely, man. And, and it's, a, it's a form of communication. Exactly. You know, like Like, honestly, like, how do you connect to our kids you know how do you connect to audiences you know we've been in a pandemic for nine months of my tenure yeah uh, in my first year so to raise a million dollars we wouldn't have been able to do it without social media true true. you true. know we 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 even launched like a greek campaign um uh, the, the beta new brothers uh, of alpha phi alpha they they gave us a hundred thousand dollars and challenged uh, the rest of the divine nine and uh uh, the Deltas uh, here, they, they raised $125,000 and it was all done virtually. And so, again, we're challenging the norms in every category. That's good. Um, but we're also, I, I, I firmly believe that we're blazing a trail for other um, minority-serving institutions and HBCUs in particular to say, hey, we, we're not less than. Um, yeah. we're, we, we actually have a brand and brand power uh, that can be transformational.
0: That's, that's amazing. And I got to ask you this, yo, because again, you mentioned, you know, when you got, when you got to uh fam, you brought in people, you brought in a team, you, you didn't didn't have to micromanage, uh, simply put it. But as millennials, and I'll speak for myself, we, at least I do get in these moments where I'm like, I think, I think I can do everything. I think I can do everything. I'm invincible. I think we've all been there. And so there's a lot of self-reflection that has to occur to figure out like, where are my opportunities for growth that honestly, I just can't, I can't tap into as I'm focusing on my strengths and bringing people in to, you know, to leverage the strengths that I don't currently hold. What reflective practices do you implement or have you done to, you know, identify and self-reflect on your own leadership journey and practice?
1: So number one, um, when we make mistakes, I, I you know, I, I don't like to point out whose fault they may have been. Like, sure. ultimately, you know, what could, I reflect and say, what could I have done to prevent either this lapse or, you know, whatever mistake was created as a leader. So I self-evaluate that that way. Um, Secondly, um, you know, I pick up the phone and I call peers, you know, people that I trust. Um, I'll tell you, Martin Jarman, uh, who's the AD at UCLA. um, You know, I pick up the phone, Martin, Hey, this is what's going on, brother. You know, how would you walk through this? Um, And again, just being able to open yourself up. We're all human, you know, Um, And and even the giants in the space, you know, um, someone helped them along the way. And so not thinking that, okay, I'm in the chair and I get to make the decisions, but also pick up the phone and ask for guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, Surround yourself with genuine people, you know, like my administration and and we joke about it, but literally when we have our executive staff meetings, it's more of conversation. And there's times where it's kind of top down. Uh, but really, I open myself up for organic conversation. Like, right, guys, what do I need to do to be a better leader All right, mm-hmm. for you? All right. And I take those things, I, I make my notes, and then you be intentional about them. Um, you be intentional about providing guidance and leadership to others that you do manage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, iron sharpens iron, you know. And so, the the work that we've done yes i get i'm the ad the this, this strategy most of the time comes from me and and the directive and i get to deliver the good news but the work's done at a level below me mm-hmm. and so you've got to be able to you know self-reflect and make sure you're not uh grinding those people too much uh, yeah. you level them up along the way but then you're also allowing them to do their jobs and so um you know just surround yourself with with good people
0: It's amazing. That's super amazing. All those people are people that you've either met, worked with, or supervised over the last, what, 10 years? Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Well, I got to ask this question, because I know it's one that's on my mind and on the mind of many others who may be listening, um, is that there's been a lot of conversation, not just in college sport, but college sport and coronavirus. And there's been either different schools, different divisions, different conferences that have made different decisions, quite frankly, on how to handle the virus, um, particularly with competition. Uh, just saw that y'all um, are not playing fall sports in the spring. Saw that announcement go out a couple weeks ago. Um, but again, centering with millennial culture in our conversation, we're big on connectivity. We're obviously big on keeping, you know, students and student athletes safe, so keeping our community safe. But then there's also college sports a business, right? We hear that all the time. How do you negotiate that, like within yourself, but also within the team that you work on um, as you think and make these decisions?
1: Well, it's tough. Um, no one wanted... To compete more for our kids than me, um, you know, we, we've been through. Our kids have been through a lot, just with all of the administrative turmoil and things that have, quite frankly, riddled our past. Um, and so, you know, we've got a great product. This year is going to be a really good year. There's no probation, NCA probation, etc. Um, you know, everybody was really excited, and and quite frankly, um, you know, coronavirus hit. Yeah, yeah. Um But ultimately, my charge is to make sure that we create a safe and healthy environment for our young people. Um, And the situation changes. I mean, um, you know, as it regards to the business side of it, you know, we've got to make decisions that make sense. Um, You know, I'm not at a a major university where we have hundreds of million dollars in surplus. Um, You know, quite frankly, to be honest with you, you know, we're doing everything we can to make ends meet. And we had to do that uh, for several reasons. Um, so that's number one, because that's directly tied to the student athlete experience, you know. We want to be able to provide them the, the best equipment and travel and, and all those things that we can do. Um, but you've got to be able to make money. And right now in, in some of the con- you know conditions around COVID 19, you can't have fans, you you know, you you're limited in, in what you've got to do. And then quite frankly, your your protocols and your travel expense increases because now instead of taking four buses, you know, maybe you're taking six, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got about, you know, all, all the specialized equipment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so we determined that it wasn't a valuable option for us to compete in certain sports this spring. It just didn't make sense. Um, the student athlete health and welfare piece um, was not also prevalent related to COVID-19, but to having a football season in particular, and then turning around three months later and doing it again. Yeah. And in the best interest of our kids, and the answer is, you know, in our opinion was no. Um, and I do know every athletic department and every team is different. You know, geography does play a factor. But you're seeing it around the country. We, we, we are less than a mile from Florida State University. Florida State's canceled probably with four or five games. Mm-hmm. You know, and for us, why go down that path? I don't think that's good for the student-athlete experience. So we we made a collective decision to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna wait to you know conditions improve. Hopefully, fall twenty twenty one. You know, we're anticipating a vaccine by that time, and hopefully, we're back into a level of normalcy. Yeah. Um, but that's tough because student athletes been working hard, man. You know, they they they've been working to to perfect their craft, um, and the mental space was important. So, like our our administrative staff, we pick a team like every week. And so my job is to call somebody on the team every day of the week and just have a conversation. You know, how you doing? How are your folks doing? What's your situation? You know, what are your grades like? Um, and it's kind of crazy because, in, in, <laughs> um, you know, my student athletes, they, they have my cell phone number. Like this is this is not a big secret, guys. You know, like, hey, if you run into a problem, call me. Um, that's what we're here for. And that's the culture that we've created, not only from my A.D., but for all of our administration, um, you know, it, it's so funny. My, my deputy AD, um, he oversees basketball. So man, he, he goes in basketball workouts. One, so one morning I wake up, he's under the squat rack, you know, competing against the guy. I'm like, Hey, just just know you got to come to work tomorrow. Like that's what we do. Um, yeah. You know, and we talk about it. We phrase our, we have our own phrase here. We call it the family. Um, we believe in that, but, You know, again, we're going back to the connectivity piece. Mm -hmm. I'm the athletic director. Yes, I make these decisions. But as we made these decisions, our student athletes know why. Uh, They're part of the conversation. They're not just seeing it come across Twitter at Mm -hmm. the end of the day. Um, And they know that it's in their best interest. Is it a tough pill to swallow? Yes. But we're going to swallow it together. And we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that they're successful in life, whether that's hey, I'm coming back for another year of eligibility or, hey, I need to move on with life. How can we help you? you know, um, And so that, that's been our take on COVID-19. Um, our kids don't complain. We don't complain about what we don't have or, or the challenges. You know, We do everything we can to support each other to get through. And that's really, you know, again, culturally, I think one of the things that, that makes this institution in particular special.
0: That's amazing, and so I mean, everything you said is like again. I know people who work in sport or don't work in sport is like, yo, how can I get on uh, Courtney Gauthier's staff? And I'm not here to help facilitate that, right? I, I need, I would need some sort of uh, royalty from that conversation. Uh, but there may be some prospective student athletes who are either middle school or even high school who listen to this podcast just based off of y'all's um, social media presence at this point. How can student prospective student athletes either get you know get more information about FAMU Athletics, get in contact with coaches? Uh, Talk to us more about that process.
1: Absolutely. And I I would say reach out to us. Um, You know, I, as the AD, I get a lot of, you know, kind of random emails just asking, you know, hey, is it opportunities? And we connect them with the appropriate coach um, or or program administrator. And so I would say reach out, you know, whether it be social media, email, phone call, uh, we will get back with you. Um, You know, and that's one thing that I I enforce, you know, with our entire program is, hey, you know, people reach out. Let's talk about who we are, share that experience with them, because that's what makes us special. You know, um, you know, everybody talked about, you know, kind of like Mikey Williams and and Mm -hmm. the shift of of star student athletes. And, and I, I put our recruiting process and the experience that you'll have at FAMU against anybody in the country. Uh, And I've been at power five institutions, you know, where I know what a recruiting weekend looks like. And, um, but you know, we, we, we're proud of it um, because it's genuine um, you know, we've, we, we may not have a hundred thousand seat stadium, but we probably have one of the best atmospheres you will ever experience in college athletics. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we're serious about that. And I think when people come here and see it for themselves, then they're like, whoa, you know, this is different. You know, th- this hits a little different. Um, and, and it does. And so. Yeah. Um, so, again, for anybody interested, um, you know, in, in, in becoming a Rattler, reach out. Um, you know, for people who are interested in the industry about FEMU athletics in particular, or just want some wisdom, reach out. Um, You know, somebody did it, you know, they gave me those opportunities, Um, you know, and and again, it would be totally remiss if I didn't, you know, return those phone calls or emails or have that conversation um, like someone did for me.
0: Well said, brother, well said, my brother. And so I'm going to transition us to segment three. Uh, which is how can I best support you, but also how can the listening community best support you? And we can think super practical about this, so whether it's giving to the right Athletic Fund, all right, saw that on there, um, but how can we best support you, Courtney?
1: So, uh, you know, I, I think right now, and, and I'll, I'll just talk, you know, about, you know, where we are in society, um, and I wrote an article, you know, kind of in the middle of the pandemic when all of the social unrest was really taking off, um, and I wanted to be very intentional, and I said, hey, Black lives have always mattered at HBCUs. This is no mm-hmm. new phenomenon, right? You know, when you look at you know athletes and uh, you know, and I'll talk a little bit about use history. Althea Gibson was a product of Florida A&M, um, and what she's done to to really provide opportunities for Serena and Venus Williams in tennis. Um, you know, again, Bullet Bob Hayes, who's the only person who holds. Uh, a gold medal in track, and quite frankly, a, a, and also a Super Bowl champion. You know, people people understand that, quite frankly, the opportunities that, quite frankly, a lot of our peers are are benefiting from today were because of the legacies that were left. And quite frankly, they started it at HBCUs. And so um, those experiences are, are, are first class experiences and they're not second fiddle. Um, but again, if people, you know, really want to support Black Lives Matters, you know, Invest in Black institutions, mm. um, you know, where we've always been a catalyst for that. Um, I've had a lot of peers reach out, you know, like, how are you handling, you know, social injustice? And they've been surprised because I said, we've been dealing with it. <laughs> we, this is not new for us. Like, we, you know, our kids are used to, to protesting and marching against it. Um, you know, welcome to our world at this point. And mm. so, um, you know, it's been great because we've been able to provide guidance, um, but again, supporting our program, uh, to your point, the Rattler Athletic Fund, that's the mechanism to do it. $5, $100, you know, it will definitely impact a student athlete's life. Um, you know, typically HBCUs are, are resource strapped um, mm-hmm. We're working to change that narrative. Um, we've got some partnerships that we're really excited about. Uh, from apparel companies and some other things that are coming down the pipe that are going to be, you know, transformational for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you know, if, if you support, you know, kind of what we're doing uh, or really want to make a difference in any of our students' lives, um, Rattler Athletic Fund is a great way to do it. Um, and again, just the connectivity, you know, we, we, we are really intentional about outreach, you know, um, touching other institutions, touching individuals, where we can, you know, collaborate um, and and obviously kind of work together to enhance, um, you know, calls to action around social justice. Um, you know, all tides rise together. You know, we do a lot of collaboration with Florida State here in town, and uh, we've been on some social justice panels together. And and again, you know, we look for those opportunities. But um, you know, that's it in a nutshell. You know, but. Um, again, just continue to, to talk about some of the good things that these folks are are doing at Florida A&M. I just get to, I, I just work here.
0: <laughs> now we appreciate you down there, Courtney. I um, I can't let you go without asking this last question. Um, whether you stay in this role for the next 30, 40, 50, 100 years, or you bounce tomorrow, right? How do you want to be remembered uh, as the vice president and director of athletics at Florida A&M?
1: Wow, um, great question. Um, I would say um, what I, how I want to be remembered is, is the guy who made an impact. Um, you know, made an impact on people's lives, the students, uh, the staff, uh, but it certainly gave people an opportunity to achieve their dreams. Mm. Um, you know, it's been so inspirational to hear some of the, the products that this institution has created. Um, you know, leaders and best in their category. Um, and I just want to be a part of, of continuing that legacy uh, to providing access and opportunities for, for people that look like you and I mm-hmm. uh, that may not have had an opportunity or a shot or a platform to do it, provide them that. Um, and, you know, and so uh, when they put me six feet deep, uh, I, I, you know, I think that's, those are the words that I'd like them to say about myself is, is that wherever he went, uh, that he made an impact and he did what he said he was going to do.
0: Well said, my brother. Uh, so with that, I got to say thank you, man. Got to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I started off this episode, you know, calling you a good man, servant of God, and obviously undoubtedly more than a millennial, um, but it's super evident from this conversation that uh, all those things still remain true. Um, so thank you for your time today. Thank you for your wisdom. Um, and honestly, I'm quite selfish uh, for this interview. I don't think I told you, but I was born on that campus of Florida A&M. My mom went there. My dad went there. Wow. Yeah, so being able to talk to the AD now, I never thought I'd work in sport either. But um, it's super has been super fulfilling, but also rewarding as well. So I appreciate your time.
1: No doubt, brother. I've enjoyed it. And uh, after this COVID situation, we'll have to get you back down to Tallahassee. Um, and then also, I've been seeing some of the good work you're doing. So we'll have to catch up offline and, 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 uh, and uh, certainly uh, talk about some of the good work you're doing up there, man.
0: Always, man. Always, always millennial. Always great. Um, so again, thank you so much for your time, uh, but for everyone else, man, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of walk with TFB. Uh, look forward to having more filtered conversation with authentic millennial people centered on education, sport, and culture, but as always, walk with me.